All right. Um, it's 11.30. I am super excited. My name is Kyle Smith, and you are here today, hopefully, because you signed up to think about creating a leadership pipeline in your organization. So this is one of my favorite things to talk about and think about. I really love what I do. Um, I was really excited to get this uh, ask from Josh Williford about leader development and how we can work together. And so if it's your first time here at Synergy, welcome. This is super exciting. I have some leaders, some people that serve on my dream team that they are coming to Synergy for the first time. And it's so exciting to see them go through this because they're being invested in. And someone is like, I believe in you that you can do this. And they're just like chewing, chewing it all up. They're so excited. They don't know what to do. They're just on fire. Plus, they're using their entire Saturday after working full time to come in and really just drink from a, like a fire hose like all day long because it's so much information. What I love about that, they hear different voices. It's not just my voice. It's not just my staff of voices. It's all of us working collectively for the kingdom and impacting and influencing others. And so I'm grateful that you chose this breakout. I'm honored. Now, if you were just sent to it because like your lead pastor was like, hey, you got to go, you're going to have some really good stuff to take back, promise. Um, I've been praying for you all, praying for this day. I really hope that you can walk away with some um, great knowledge. You feel encouraged and inspired to do the work. I'm not going to lie to you. I am somebody who is a do the work person and think about it. I like to think about process and systems a lot and then organizational psychology and how we all can work better together. I get very excited about that. Hence the 1.5 speed. Um, so today we're going to walk through like some of our turning points as an organization for our leadership development, how we embrace narrowing down how we operate together in that organization, and then how we talk about discovering, de uh, developing, and deploying leaders. I didn't wear this shirt just on purpose. This has actually been my life mission for multiple years, and then my husband participates in fine arts, and he got this from Orlando or somewhere a few years ago, just yanked, because this is my life statement from my character blueprint and how I want to show up as a leader. I always want to be in a place of discovering people, developing, and then deploying them into action. And so um, this, is, this is what we're doing. So a little bit about me. My name is Kyle Smith. I am the executive pastor at Simple Church. So raise your hand if you saw Kyle Smith and you're just expecting like a white dude to show up and do it. <laughs> it's fine. I'm so used to that. It's good. It's good. I love it. Um, I'm like, guys, we even had a picture. We had a profile pic too. It's totally fine. So I'm the executive pastor at Simple Church and I work with our lead pastor, Aaron, who is on sabbatical right now. And um, I help him with his strategic planning and development, work closely together for our leader development from our staff all the way down through our dream team and anybody who is inside the church. And this is where we walk. I am loud, passionate, fierce, strong. I am the 1.5. I'm a run on sentence and I am wildly protective of people. I love people, genuinely want to be around them, want to encourage and develop them. I'm a wife and a mom as well. My husband's here speaking multiple times. He's uh, Derek Smith, serves on the creative or communications team. He's a creative pastor at Simple Church. And then outside of the church, I actually work as a business manager for a retail floral shop. So I took it from being um, a literal dumpster fire, making absolutely no money and $100,000 in debt to making it a profitable business. And my team has been with me for eight years and has not left because they, tr they chose to trust my process and how I talk about leader development and how I develop people and move them forward. So weird flex. I actually don't talk about that much, but this is just a little bit of what I do. 
But my favorite thing to be called is the resident fire putter outer at Simple Church because that's what our next gen pastor called me one time because if something happens, I'm just able to step into it. Gas leak, we got it. Kids pooped on a Lego thing and kidsmen, we got this medical emergency in the middle of a service and they think it's a drug overdose, but it's not someone's having a real medical emergency. We got it, we know how to people, we have people that are developed and we know how to walk through those together. So that's why Lainey calls me the fire putter outer and it's my favorite description of it. So you're here about leadership and you want to know, everyone, everyone here is gonna give you a different example or a definition of today. Plain and simple, leadership is influence. That's really what it is. That's what it comes down to. Our behaviors impact and influence the culture and the results around us. You probably have been around some really good leaders. You might have been around some really bad leaders. And maybe you're even thinking like, oh, I'm not a lead pastor, I'm not an executive pastor, I'm not kids or anything, I don't have influence. But yes, you do. You have all the influence. You ever sat with somebody at a conference and they are just doing this all day, like, can't believe this, singers, coffee wasn't hot, traffic, the parking, blah, blah. You know what they have? They have influence right then and there. Yeah. They're a leader in your 20 square feet. This brilliant metaphor of your 20 square feet of influence. You can't control what everybody else is doing. You can only control you, but in that moment, they have influence over you. You got people who are um, <clears throat> passionate, courageous. They are just on fire, super energetic and stuff. When they're talking to you and you're like, yes, let's storm help with the water pistol, we've got this. That's because in that moment, they have influence. That's really what it is. And they are just impacting the culture and the results that they're looking for. Jesus, wonderful for influence. I hate to break it to you, I'm not gonna be hyper-spiritual through here and stuff. I kind of like synergy to do it on the front end and the back end where we go to the, the beginning and we end the day. So I didn't pray for you because I've been praying for you. And we prayed together and so I'm like, we got lots to cover. So if you were wondering, that's why. But that's what leadership is in, in this is a nutshell of how we talk about it at Simple, Ch Simple Church. Leadership is influence. Everybody that walks through the door has the potential to be a leader because of their ability to influence. So we don't wait for titles. We don't give titles just because we want them to step into leadership. We just assume from the ground up, this is what we're looking at. How we got here though started in about 2018. We, we planted in 2013, thought we had it all measured out, strategic, nice with our staff and our hierarchy of organizational structure. That was a turd. Because in 2018, what we learned is that we had some mass worship chaos happening. People who were given titles as, um, to develop people, to help them on the worship team, backbiting, terrible behaviors, calling people stupid, worthless. That is a word I will never forget of sitting in the office and allowing a worship leader to call another person on their team worthless. Because what part of that balances out with the image of God and how we talk about it? What we weren't set up for was, you know, me. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, if you understand Enneagram. So I'm like, I'm ready to be like Jesus, y'all. I'm about ready to flip a table because they called somebody worthless, and that is not who they're designed to be, and that person's getting ready to walk out of the team. It just got worse and worse and worse. We were not set up for good leader development because we're like, oh, this person's a great singer. Oh, man, they came from another mega church. They should be so good at this already. It was terrible. Let me factor in that too, 2018 started shifting for us. We went into a um, least adventure. We were gonna merge with another church and it wasn't working out well. So this is like you move in together before you got married, but now you decide you're not gonna get married, but you still gotta finish out your lease. That happened to us. 
Pastor Aaron is our, Pastor Aaron DeLong is our lead pastor. Beginning of 2019, his mental health hit the crises of his life. So Aaron became actually suicidal. And so we put him into intensive therapy in 2019. I have this dumpster fire of worship happening. My husband, who's over the worship team at the time, is in the kitchen. And I've never heard him say in 18 years of us doing ministry to the fridge, Kyle, I don't know if I can do this any longer. I don't, I don't know because we don't have good system. We don't have any of this laid out. So this was the turning point for us for our leadership development and how we were going to discover people and de uh, deploy them, but really develop them. So this is a big one for today is just developing them. So we started walking through a process called Focus 3, and it Focus 3 focuses on your R factor and your relentless leadership because here's where we were. No alignment. Like, yes, we love Jesus. Yes, we have a hierarchy of needs. But here is what everything was happening. We have like pastors going here, dream team over here, leaders over here, hot mess, no alignment, no boundaries of anything. And maybe you can relate to this because you've probably been somewhere. All of these diagrams, so I didn't come up with these. This is from Harvard Business Review. So if you're ever looking for anything, I'm a big person of resource. This is everyone else telling you what happens too when you don't have a good organization and structure happening. So we decided when all that chaos was happening, we needed to get somewhere in alignment. So we actually went to our staff retreat at the end of 2019, and we started working on how to develop this part for our leader development, how to get to the point, knowing our boundaries, our values, the behaviors that we were looking for, what we wanted to see. But it still wasn't great. And just so you know, we're not, so, we're not perfect at it. We're still imperfect people serving a perfect God. And so we're still going to mess up, but we got a little bit better into... 2019, 2020, AO pandemic started, so we had an immediate shift in what we were doing. I'm very thankful that we got to this point. And then in 2023, here's where we're at. We have large alignment in our organization, what we're doing. Yeah, you know, you're not really off course. Sometimes you just need a little bit of guiding back to it. But this sitting in this um, image of alignment is so much more freeing and better than ever before. And this is what I love to think about when talking about what our church health looks like right now too. Again, we have a pastor on sabbatical where a lot of people would be afraid that you have people that are just gonna be all over the place, people leaving the church. We're not facing that. We have the healthiest team leaders and dream team and members and guests visiting. And that's not because we don't have problems. That's just because we have some of this developed out. This is my baby. This is my pride and joy of ever working in ministry. And I developed this with our staff at that staff retreat. So we actually sat down pulled scripture. So everything behind this is based on scripture. And so we have this thing called our culture playbook. I'm happy to email this out. It is, it is my, this is my favorite thing to talk about. It's a little postcard that we walk around with. So we're talking about our beliefs that we have through the church from connection, excellence, generosity, growth, purpose, all based on scripture. So we developed this and then we're looking for certain behaviors of everybody too. Because it's like, it's one thing to be like, oh, read your Bible, do a Devo, go to a small group. And then someone who's calling somebody worthless, or I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. We've been in ministry. Too often I hear that people are siloed. They feel like they're doing it all, all on their own. And what part of working together are we doing when we say to our staff members, well, that's not my job. That's not my job description. Hello, other duties as assigned. You can ask my team. I'll, I'll, I like to enforce that a little bit too much. Um, no, I really, I really love working with my team, and they know that I really love using this with them. So we developed, what are we looking for in these behaviors? Because why? We wanted to get somewhere. We wanted to have an outcome, 
This is all formula. This is why I call it like cerebral and just mind because you can think about what do I believe in? What do I got to do to get there? What do I get out of it? What will happen? These things. Things that we can relate to others. We're going to have passionate relationships. We glorify God through all we do. We trust God. We're more like Jesus. We understand our purpose and make a difference. We didn't have any of that. So when those trash behaviors were happening on a worship team, I couldn't go back and say, hey, um, guys, what part of culture playbook was calling someone worthless? What, what part of that? Help me, help me understand, make it make sense. Because I could be kinder asking it through that way rather than telling somebody that they're, them calling somebody worthless was trash behavior. I'm ready to flip a table in, in an office and not be on my best, my best, just not best. So this is what I love to talk about too. This is from Focus 3. If you're a football fan, Urban Meyer wrote a great book. It's called Above the Line. And these are some of the things that he actually used with the Buckeyes. So a lot of men will actually start reading that because they're like, yeah, I'm a Buckeyes fan. And women, if they like football or anything, they'll jump into it too. We love this. We talk about this all the time. This is the best thing. This is what I think of when we think about developing. You discovered somebody. Sure, you're, you're cool. You've been showing up. You've gone through growth track, the four-step membership process. We know you've got some personality things. We know you've got some gifting, some spiritual things that we are aware of. But now we're going to start developing. This is where we lean into developing our people. Why? You can take this anywhere inside the church, outside the church, home. We use this in our house. It makes our life a whole lot easier. E plus R equals O, simple formula to remember, an event, anything that happens. I woke up late today, didn't wake up late today. That creates an E, an event in my life. But now I get to choose my R, which is the only thing I can control here. Am I gonna be like, oh my gosh, I woke up late. Derek, get up, we gotta go. Or am I gonna be like, okay, I woke up. Maybe I don't have time for Starbucks. Maybe I don't have this because it's gonna influence an outcome. Remember that leadership is influence? We can only control the R in any situation that we're working through with our leaders and developing them to get that outcome. Think about any time you've responded poorly, that outcome you got, you fought with your husband and you said some things and you didn't really get to where you're feeling cozy and everything, or maybe you were fighting, but you fought fair because you chose a good response and you were working through it and then you're like, okay, we can agree to disagree on this, but we can move forward. This takes a lot of work. This is about understanding our behaviors individually and as teams to understand discipline-driven behaviors that are intentional, on purpose, and skillful versus default, versus impulsive, autopilot, the groans, resistant, and falling, this, falling into these default behaviors. We call this below the line. Urban Meyer talks about above the line. We're going to be above. At the church, it's really easy to talk about, hey, is that a below-the-line behavior? Is that what's happening? Our associate pastor, Tim Toole, is walking around here today, and uh, he'd, be, he'd, he'd be happy to share with you his, uh, okay, that was below the line. He is the most aware of this. It's our favorite to talk about because we know us. You know you best. Your people know them best. They can identify their default-driven behaviors, but helping them learn these discipline-driven behaviors, it takes a lot of work. I promise. This is not something we have all figured out. We spent an entire year just on this E plus R equals O to choose a better R. There's six parts of that, and we still could go back and say, hey, we need to do more on this consistently every single year. So part of that choose the better R, the disciplines, the R, your response, the R factor. You're going to press pause, get your mind right, step up, adjust and adapt. That's my favorite make a difference and build skill. I promise friends, I will share all of this with you. I just got a lot. 
Um, first, you're going to press pause before you respond to anything in that response. Pause. Get focused and be intentional about it. Even if that means like something, someone's coming at you like, okay, I got to take a second. Just breathe, catch a cloud. So we're teaching kids men, I'm like, reach up, catch a cloud because your body will teach you something different if you get your mind to change. Press pause. You don't have to have the answer. Just press pause. Don't say something you will regret. Take a minute to understand the situation, what's happening. Focus on what you want. What do I want that outcome to be? Okay, you know, my kidsman leader just came and popped off at me, and I'm, I know that is not, I know that is not how you are addressing anybody like that in the building this morning and in front of other people. How unloving, how unkind. They know, too. I'll be like, are we doing this right now? Um, and Lainey, Lainey's a little bit younger, so she likes to remind me of that, but I'm like, Okay, friend, um, but I'll press pause too because I'll focus on what I want. What I want is for her to know that whatever she's got going on, I'm here to support her. I am here for her. I'm gonna help her get through whatever it is that's happening back there in kids ministry today. And I'm gonna stay cool and collected on what's happening. Instead of being like, she just came at me. Cannot believe that she did that. No, thank you. She and I are gonna be having a one-on-one -on -one later. No, I'm gonna press pause. Sometimes I'll ask her to press pause or anybody else. It's fine. And understand what's happening. Get your mind right. Pay attention to your inner thoughts and feelings. Developing people is really a lot of identity work too. Helping them understand maybe some of their childhood things, their attachment uh, styles, understanding them is essential. So that's why I always talk about helping people understand their inner thoughts and feelings. Um, what story are you telling yourself? Okay, well, Lainey came at me because she's just mad and I don't know what her deal is. What's my story that I'm telling me in that moment? What emotions am I feeling? Usually rage. Um, not really. They call me cry all at the church too, because I cry a lot um, as I'm an eight, but I also love people so much that when it, it grieves me, it grieves my spirit when stuff is just not working well together. So in lots of, when things are going down, I will just, my body elicits a, a physical, emotional response and they call me cry all. It's okay. It's the worst and best insult I've ever heard in my life. Um, but we're going to be, I'm going to take into consideration what emotions I'm feeling. But really knowing, too, the emotional intelligence to work with others and help them understand what emotions they're feeling. A lot of people can only describe it, I'm mad. I'm sad. There is a whole list of emotions they can walk through. Maybe they're hungry, and that's why they're responding this way. That's not really emotion, but we feel that. Maybe they're lonely and tired. Understanding what's going on, their emotions, and you can't stay stuck in the emotions of the event. Like, we can't. We'll stay in those fields all day long. You'll, you'll land in a doom loop. You're going to walk into a drama triangle. No thank you. Do not stay in those emotions of that event. It's kind of got to be in and out. All right, you're going to step up. You're going to respond with discipline. And it takes practice. This is where I say it, you never just arrive at this final destination where you're 100% all good. C consistently taking practice. You're engaging the best response possible. And you take the needed action. The reason why I don't have perfect examples for you is because you can do this all day, every day with people. So that formula, E plus R equals O, you have to keep working on it and practicing it because I can't just be like, well, just do this and be kind, be sweet, smile more. Those are all things I hear as a woman in ministry, so you're welcome because my response wants to be like, oh. Um, and I'm going to step up. I'm going to choose the different, I'm going to choose the best response possible. I'm going to take the needed action. Flip table. Um, adjust and adapt. Like I said, this is my favorite. Your habits are perfectly designed to get you the results that you're getting. I don't need to tell you. You probably know if you've been someone who wants to exercise and lose weight, but you kind of can't get out of 
the grip of whatever's got a hold on that. Um, if you wanted to read more, if you wanted to not pop every single time someone says something to you and you want to respond well, your results are determined by those habits that you have. And it takes a long time to break those habits. If you've ever done like a 21 days of um, uh, fasting and prayer, 21 days is before people actually start getting into like a good habit of those things. It takes, it, this takes practice. And if the R isn't working, don't blame the E. Well, I got to do that because, you know, they said this and that creates a new event and everything. No, choose a better R. This is how we develop our people. If we're going to choose a better R. The best part about using a framework like this when we're developing people, <clears throat> we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of what went down. If, if Derek said something that morning or if I said something, um, you know, we could just easily, hey, what was that R about? We don't even have to be like, what's your deal? What are you coming in here with this morning? Blah, blah, blah. We don't even have to do that. Hey, what, what, was, that, what was that R about? Y'all good? We good? We can do that and then we have to be adaptable. Life requires adjustments. There's nothing that you walk through that doesn't require you to adjust and adapt to it. We saw it in 2020. My home became a school ministry platform, recording studio. It became all the things that rip peace from my life. And I want my home to be an environment of peace it's just my husband and my daughter and me and our cat and a dog, and I want to have fun with my family. And that changed in a significant way. And so we had to be adaptable to what was happening in this. And in, in your R, you're making a difference. You're creating a great experience for others, right? With our leadership and how we influence them, we want it to be a good experience for them. That really rises and falls on us. <clears throat> our attitude and behavior are deeply personal, rarely private. Working in ministry, you see that often. The attitude and behavior, super personal. Start telling stories about ourselves. Well, they just did this. They're disrespectful. They're this. And then we wear it all day long. And we take it to anybody. And let me just remind you that when you say, oh, I'm sorry, I just wanted to vent to somebody, those vents go to other rooms. They just, they go to other rooms. So when we say, oh, I'm sorry, I just wanted to vent. No, none of that. It feels so unloving, it feels so unkind, it feels very business-like for me, but I'm telling you the way that I've been able to love people the most in our leader development is helping them understand this when they, when they use language like that, of like, oh, I'm just sorry, I just had to vent, or that verbal vomit. You feel ucky. One of my other favorite things to say is, um, when we talk about our relationships, is that you know people dump all over you, so they took a relation, take out the P, out of T, um, yeah because they dump all over you. This is what happens in, our, in, in ministry, in business, in our home life, our relationships, marriages, anything, because we've got these attitudes and behaviors. What we do has an impact on the others around us, completely within this R. That's just six steps of this choosing a response when we're developing our people. And we're gonna build skill. We wanna be intentional on those habits. We wanna grow beyond our talent. If you feel like you have reached the top and you don't need to keep learning, sit it down. It's time maybe the grace for your position or place has run out. That's okay. I'm not trying to be harsh on anybody, but maybe it's time to move forward because you can always continue learning. Your people can always continue learning. And uh, a favorite is like you were born with talent, but at this level, everyone has talent. Here today, there's amazing leaders. There's amazing speakers, amazing worship team members, all amazing, great talent. But we all have to keep growing and learning. I'm not, I'm not above this. I continually learn about this. I love people and I love developing them. I love thinking about process, going through the psychology of it and understanding how we can take their 
sociological ecosystem and implant that of understanding the, what and how they got there. So my background's in ministerial leadership and then also psychology and understanding people and how we can love them differently, but how we can be better together. If you take one thing from this breakout today, take this baby. It is our no BCD. This is it, no BCD. We have sweatpants that say these, are, they're great. So comfy, no BCD. We're not gonna blame, we're not gonna complain, we're not gonna defend. I hope you came in like, man, she's gonna change my world with how I'm gonna develop leaders and discover them, deploy them into action, and I'm just like, this right here. This right here is key. We're not gonna blame others. We're not gonna, I couldn't get that done because so-and-so didn't give me the graphic, blah, blah, blah. We're not gonna complain about them. Well, they relate, so it should be fine, and they're always this, and blah, 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 and defend. Well, I get to be like that. You just know, who, you just know how I am. You, just, you, know that you know that I can be a little, I'm trying to think of some words. I say chaotic because I, I feel like I'm chaotic sometimes. Um, but I'm not going to defend my behavior. Well, I got to say that because he really made me mad. No, that is BCD. Remember that above-the-line, below-the-line behaviors we're talking about? That's a below-the-line behavior. When we step into any part of blaming others, complaining about them, and defending our poor behaviors, we are below the line. Below. Way down here, you're BCDing. This is so great, too, because if you walk through an attitude, and all you have to do is like, there's a little bit of BCD going on. I have a 14-year-old daughter, and I may have been complaining at the grocery store a few weeks ago. And <laughs> um, I was just falling apart, because I was tired. I was just finishing up school. It was late. We're trying to grab some stuff. They didn't have exactly what I was looking for. And I am just all over. And my 14-year-old understands this framework because we use it at the church. And she's like, Mom, are you just full of BCD right now? First of all, I am personally offended that she would ask me that. And second of all, I'm like, that is amazing because at 14 years old, she's getting it. And she has a reference point to understand what Mom's doing is not great. This is not okay. This is not going to make home life better. And she didn't have to be like, why are you so mean? You're doing this, like you're just complaining. You're doing your ugh thing. May I rolled your eyes. She was just like, why are you BCDing right now? And that was enough for me to straighten up. Like, <laughs> don't say anything to her, she's gonna get me. Um, but she's so good at it too, but she's learning this through serving in kids ministry. She's not forced to, she shows up. She has a great relationship with our next gen pastor. But she can call that out, too, and be like, hey, that, that felt like some BCD to me this morning when you, all, when you guys were complaining that nobody showed up for kidsmen, but I was here. I'm not a nobody. we got to think about our language. 14 years old. And I was like, okay, go on, sis. You got this. 14. So if a 14-year-old can do it when their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet, we as adults, we can keep learning, we can keep changing this, and we can get out of our BCD. That's why I keep saying, if you take nothing else from it, the no BCD. In the flower shop, I do a lot of events and weddings and stuff. I go through emotional roller coaster all the time with deaths, brides, people, everyday events, like somebody forgot to order for someone's birthday or Valentine's Day, which is the same day every year, or their anniversary, and people are living through a chaotic moment. We teach this at the shop, too. We're not going to be CD about our customers. Eh, I got off the phone. They blah, blah, blah. Nope, we're not doing that. We're not going to walk into an environment like that. With our events, when we go on, we've got eight hours of setup and tear down for these large uh, floral structures. We talk about this ahead of time. What can we do to take care of ourselves so we don't lean into a BCD mentality? 
when they come in, they forgot to do a million things for their wedding because they should have had a planner, but they didn't. And they fall into this, we're not gonna step into this because we don't want that. That's why I love it. I have um, coaching around this and why we lean into it. Yeah, this is where it gets a, it's a lot, I promise. This is so good and all of this is available on Focus 3 and these are free downloads and stuff too. So I'm not plagiarizing anything. I love Focus 3, it's the night group and how they talk about this from how we can take it from you've discovered your people, you're starting to develop them so that R factor is a good part of development. Other things that you're using too within that, um, thinking about other resources, not just the Bible. We're thinking about how to give them a book like Boundaries and walk through it. How to give them that book above the line and start thinking about what your team is doing and how we're moving forward to bring them alongside and keep building up. These are called the six pillars, right? Accountability, support, clarity, connection, character, and competence. This is where I get a little nitty gritty. This is what I love the most. This is my favorite part about talking about developing our people on a systematic approach <clears throat> and how to make this like your roadmap. Because you can have those leaders like, yeah, we all love Jesus, but we're not using the same terminology this is how we get siloed. This is how you're still texting people, but we're using Basecamp. Like you're not sending an email. You're not, you're not doing these. You're, we're all over the place. Nope, we're gonna streamline it a little bit. So we talk about the foundation here through trust and our focus is gonna be results, but you can't have one without the other. This is where we start feeling like we're falling apart. That 2018 story of what was going on, we were building some trust because yeah, we. Like we know that those people can show up to practice. We know that they've got a skill set. We know that they're great singers or bandmates. Um, but think about that connection with people, how they're showing up and how they're loving people. You just called your piano player worthless and you feel like you're gonna achieve a good result, like people wanna join your team. What amazes me all the time is we had 29 members on that team, which is a very healthy, I think, large worship team. And it started dwindling because of those behaviors. Because we're leaning on, well, they came from a mega church. They know exactly what they're doing. Do they? Do they? Are we talking about this well? And then we were excusing those behaviors too. Well, we don't know. Like they went through a divorce. They have this and that going on. I'm sorry, what? What would you do for me as a pastor if you decided I was going to call somebody worthless? I would be dragged on social media or something so fast. One star. You would give me less than one star if, if you heard me say something like that. No, thank you. So you start walking through these pillars. It keeps breaking down even more because this is what we need to cultivate that mindset and keep building that skill set for exceptional leadership, for developing your people. Your organization can put you in a position of authority. Sure, I'm an executive pastor. But only you, only I can put myself in a place of leadership. Because too often, especially in ministry, we will lead from authority. Well, I'm the pastor, this is what I'm looking for. This is what we need. No, let's not do that. Let's develop our people. We're gonna influence, remember that leadership equals influence? Let's bring them alongside, let's develop them. These six pillars, they're through building trust. It's earned through your behavior. It's not granted by your position. So this is how we take care of ourselves and develop others. It's the confidence that people have in you based on the way that you practice those three things, your character, your competence, and connection. You build the credibility with them by earning trust, by giving people repeated experiences over time in all three dimensions. You're never gonna get it all right, but you know what you can do is you can lean into this because what we like to do is, when we're talking about building trust, 
Well, well, they should be good. They should know. Ex they should know my heart. Well, do they? Because what have your behaviors looked like this entire time? You know, Aaron, Aaron and I talk about this. Aaron and I have been best friends for a very long time, and he will say, "Well, I mean, like, we should have better trust. Like, I should have built up enough credibility." Your credibility never stops working. You don't ever have enough credit for your credibility. You, you consistently need to keep making those deposits into building your character, working on your competence and your connection with others to keep building trust within your, um, within your organization and framework. Because when you're doing this on you, you can sit with your team, the leaders, the people that you want in place, and you can still, still sit with them. What I like about this is that I can say these words to my staff of like, hey, what was the miss on there? Was that, what happened there? And they can be like, oh, that was a character thing for me. I said I was going to do something. We call it paying your character debt. They said they were going to do something. I'm going to have that email to you by 5 p.m. And then it's 10 a.m. the next morning. Another person's frustrated. They didn't get that email. And they could be like, hey, I didn't pay my character debt. Real easy. We can apologize. We can move through the steps. Doesn't make it okay. Because we're going to talk about that differently. Because now we're talking about competency, right, and the skills that they have. It'd be better to be like, I will have that email to you by the end of the week and deliver upon that than to just be like, yeah, I'll have to you by five and then start all the commotion down through there. You continue to build your credibility. Character is through ethical trust. It's built through their repeated experiences of you saying you'll, you will do what you say you will do. The competence is their technical trust. That's built through the repeated experience of you helping people get things done, solve problems, and get better, you and the person. The connection is personal trust. It's built through a repeated experience of you caring, listening, and engaging. That culture playbook, that little pride and joy of mine at the beginning, has active, care, active listening and caring. Because people want, to see, people want to feel needed and known and really listened to. Most of the time when I'm sitting with anybody, I can walk through most of those conversations just listening, which I know is like a big surprise because I talk a lot. But I can listen. And usually what we land on is they just wanted to feel heard. They just wanted to know that someone cared enough to make eye contact with them, listen, and help them. And then <clears throat> when we start flipping to the other side, so you, can't, you can flip it this way, but it'll kind of like teeter-totter. So if you're not in the best of frames, you'll see. You'll start feeling this. But we kind of keep it towered up this way. This is how Focus 3 talks about it, too. But then as you're moving along, you, sorry, I lost my spot. Um, then you can create and sustain your high-performance culture of what's happening, the summary of these habits, by communicating your team's goals and action plans, clarifying your roles and responsibilities, and holding people accountable for their part of the plan, providing support to help people achieve their goals. We shy away from accountability because half the time we don't use accountability until it's too late. We're afraid of that. Why? Because, because we, I assigned something, didn't follow up for eight weeks, and then I follow up at eight weeks in one day. Why didn't, you, why didn't you get that done? You didn't have that, and now I'm holding them accountable to their job that they didn't do it. When accountability could have been like, hey, what do you need help with? When do you think you can get that finished by? How can I help you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing a check-in at two weeks, two weeks out, anything like that. And instead, we, we use accountability as this way to get people into trouble or anything. And so we make that word really scary. Think about it for like an accountability group. Um, I do uh, workout. I won my pro card in bodybuilding in 2018. So if you look me up, you'll find some stuff. But I'm going to say this because of accountability, the way we use it in the gym of, well, we didn't do our weigh-in. We didn't get our posing or all of our meals in and stuff. And so our, our coach holds us accountable by making us run extra laps or do extra whatever, right? And now they've done this blame game. 
place it on us and now I'm feeling some shame about what happened because I didn't lose the weight I was supposed to because I was eating tacos and nobody breaks bread more than Christians. So like, listen, this is hard y'all to bodybuild. You got people, you're in these grow groups, people be cooking. It is a hot mess. It is so good though. But then you show up and then now they're going to hold you accountable. We shy away from this word and we shouldn't, we should lean right into it. But that doesn't mean that just because we're at the top too, that we shouldn't be held accountable for some of our actions or what we're doing. And so this is what I want to talk about so we can have, you know, just feel better about that little word up there. It feels a little scary. And accountability looks like paying close attention to the people and processes that produce the results and provide timely feedback. Don't wait eight weeks to bring something to their attention. Give them, some, hey, can I share some feedback with you? If they say no, no, not right now, respect that, but put it on the calendar. Share the feedback with them. We, we are implementing more of a feedback culture over and over and over again because it's really helpful in the moment too. We have um, two of our staff pastors, they like immediate feedback. If they preach like, buddy, they want you to be ready. The minute they stop, they step off, they want to, they want to know, was that good? What was bad? What do I need to do different? They're ready for it. Tim and I, we need to like soak it in for the day because I'm already worried, like, did I offend somebody? Was I too much? Yes, of course. Did I say, did I say something that's gonna make somebody walk out? I need to process through the rest of the day and then the next morning I can come in and, and take some of your feedback. Aaron is a, he needs to have that attaboy. He gets in the truck with his wife Shanda and he's waiting for that. Good boy, good, good message, anything. So he is waiting for the feedback from his wife immediately. But we're implementing that feedback culture too. So that way we can talk about the work that we're doing, how we're developing others, how we miss the mark on it, and leaning into it. You want to keep communicating simply and repeatedly to eliminate confusion and uncertainty. I think half the time when we're working together with people in, in ministry, we lack this clarity. Because we're like, hey, can you come help with this? But we don't give them enough to say, it's going to take about 45 minutes. And I need two people to do this. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's what I think is going to happen and the cleanup and stuff. We're just like, hey, yo, we, yo we're, we're trying to move this around over here. This is what we're gonna do, it's gonna be fine. We lack the clarity. <laughs> Make the expectations and standards exceptionally clear. We bought a 15,000 square foot Aldi uh, last, in October of 2021. It still currently looks like an Aldi. We have pipe and drape everywhere. And we are in the process of building out our campaign to renovate and stuff. We've done some things along the way and some great work but we make it exceptionally clear when we're talking about bringing people in to do things. So I had this thing called a whiteout party. I was just trying to get paint off the floor after we did one of our office renovations. And so I told Aaron, hey, this is what I wanna do. A black light whiteout party. Is it dumb? Yeah, of course. Um, but the walls were all white and the floors were all white where they oversprayed with the white paint and we needed to get it cleaned up so our carpet could be installed. And so clarity for here with our, with our leaders and other people to get involved look like Here's the day that we're looking for. Here's what a time I think it's gonna take. Here's what supplies I think we need. Here's what I think you need to wear to it. Here's what, um, here's some videos in case you don't know what it's like to scrape paint off the floor. I mean, it seems so silly. Like, oh yeah, you should all know. Not everybody knows. Like stop coming to the table expecting like, they know exactly what to do. And make it exceptionally clear like what we're talking about. And then like, hey, we're gonna have some glow lights. It's gonna be fun and, and stuff because my, my job is to gather people. It was the best day ever. Also, I was like, this is gonna take three hours. It took like 45 minutes. That's even better for people too. We made it exceptionally clear. We're talking about the communication and our standards for what we're looking for. Childcare provided, is childcare not provided? This is important when we're talking about developing our leaders and having them in action instead of just, well, why they show up today with their baby at Synergy and that baby's crying. Why couldn't they have found childcare? 
what did we ask how we could help them? Did we make it exceptionally clear to them when we're talking about getting to a place like here? Like, hey, how can I help you find childcare for that day? I want you to be able, I want you to be, be able to focus on you instead of leaning into things of, how could they do that? Do you hear how it sounds like the BCD? How could they do that? Get the baby crying in the back of the room, blah, blah, blah. No. Friends, we should be thankful and excited that our leaders still showed up and they got their babies in tow. But also, how could we be better with our people that we're developing? Hey, how about, I, how about I help you find somebody? How can I help you with that? Talking about our clarity, what we're expecting. If you expected them to show up to a conference today and you didn't give them everything that they needed, that, that's on you. And now you're mad all day because they showed up with their little beeb? No, that's on you. It's a BCD behavior. We're not going to lean into that. We make it ex exceptionally clear for them. You communicate simply, keep going, and support. support. Big one, give your people what they need to do their job well. The tools, the training, the resources, the tools, this stuff right here that we use and that E plus R equals O. It's so good, we have like little bands that people walk around wearing and stuff, they know that E plus R equals O. This is top down, this is not just our leaders, this is everybody that is willing to spend time with people at SC that we just say, hey, what, what's your R? And you're like, oh. Had a bad R today, like someone flipped me off in traffic, this is what I did, and you're like, ooh, what R did you choose? And they're like, love you, mean it. I'm like, no liar, they did not. They, someone cut you off, you did not. I like to keep it real, but that's the thing, we don't have to, we don't have to shame anybody for what their response was. They can, all, they can already identify, was it above the line as a response, was it below the line? And they're already starting that cycle with how they're moving through their day and choosing their R. So this is what I think of like when we're Developing our people, giving them the tools, the resources, books, podcasts, things that you value and that you're continually growing in. Boundaries. I cannot stress that enough. Most people that I'm working with, they've never thought about having a boundary. They're like, hey, I'm not going to take that phone call after 10 p.m. Or, hey, I'm not going to do that. Or, yes, I can do that. But within the context of this, there's so much that we teach about boundaries. I use the book, too, Toxic Soul. It's not just for lead pastors. It's about helping. There's a, there's a pointed story in there where the pastor is sleeping on the couch because he has given his life over to the church and he's picking up every single phone call. His marriage is dissolving. My job is to help Aaron and Shanda stay healthy. And that's why I will always support their boundaries of, hey, we're not going to do work after this time. We are going to go on vacation. We are going to invest in our marriage because I want them to stay married a long time. It's not on me to control it, but I can help them enforce their boundaries or be a supporter of their boundaries and stuff too. My husband and I work together in ministry. It is real easy to cross paths like this, to sit at home and he's like, hey, I just want to talk about this. And I'm like, well, do you want a wife hat right now or do you want the executive pastor hat right now? Because executive pastor is actually off the clock. But if you want a wife, your wife would not have known what happened today. <laughs> just saying. And so we have to take the hats off. We have, to, we have to enforce the boundaries really well around this and provide the support. It's like this all the way down when we're talking about developing our people. Give them what they need to be successful. Help them work, help, help them work through that and give them the resources for their job. Taking them to a place like Synergy, sending them the podcast, anything to provide them support. Even if it's like, hey, here's a quick link on how to use this in Planning Center. Any, anything, it really can, it can come all the way down. And equip people to take ownership of their 20 square feet. It's like this metaphor, like I can only control this but I can influence all of this within my 20 square feet. Sometimes we like to think like, oh man, these thousands of people, no. I can take ownership of my 20 square feet. I can talk about this well today. I can remain pleasant. I can try to make it relatable and easy and engaging or incredibly difficult, but I wanna be able to equip you with something, but I'm also gonna take ownership of my 20 square feet and say like, okay, 
I popped in my cough drop. I left my coffee over there so I wasn't sipping that and dropping it all over me because for the love of everything, I will spill coffee on me every single day. I do not know why because I can usually keep it together, but coffee is not it. That is what I'm doing to take ownership of my 20 square feet and how we continually get there. Just like I said, my discover, develop, and deploy a discovery. Hopefully you have something like a growth track, which is like a four-step membership process. And maybe you've done some of their um, identification of their spiritual gifts, their personality tests, like an Enneagram. There's the um, DISC assessment. Great ones out there. We used to use a lot of the DISC. What we found was with Enneagram, it's very easy to talk about. I know that can fall on a spectrum of like where people believe in it or not, but I'm telling you, understanding some personalities and how people can work better together, sweet spot. My admins, I've got all ones. Ones, they like to tell you what's wrong with the world. They're kind of like, they're called the perfectionists. They kind of get different names and stuff. This is how I know how to work with them because they're just looking at the flaw. They don't think you're flawed. They're just looking at what's happening, what's wrong with it. And that helps me work with my admins a whole lot better. That way they're not like, hey Kyle, that was a bad email that went out and misspelled. And I'm like, yeah, bud, because I told Derek to get Grammarly, you know? And then we're not falling into BCD. We're understanding personalities, small groups. This is a great way to discover your people. Oh my gosh. If you're not doing small groups and running them and or leading them, jump back into one. I'm not asking you to serve all the time or do it all the time. This is like one of my, this is like low hanging fruit for me. I will recruit all day long. It doesn't matter. I have people who are like, I don't even know how I landed on this team like three years ago, but I'm here. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know. It's because I'm like, hey, can you help me out with this? Can you do this? I don't give titles right away. I'm a slow leader too elevate someone with a title because if you start thinking I will do that when I'm a pastor I will do that when I'm the leader of this no you won't you won't because if you really felt that you'd have started doing it you'd have already been doing it without a title I know that because years ago we had ice someone spilled a drink and one of the males was like um, I went to pick up the ice and he was like if I was executive pastor I wouldn't be picking up ice I'd be having somebody else do it and I was like yeah that's why you're not in this position because if you're gonna act like that, like I'm not gonna do that, I'm not gonna serve people, what are you doing? And why are you waiting for a title? It's, if they strip me of this title tomorrow, I'm not gonna stop loving people. Amen. I'm not gonna stop loving Jesus. It gives me chills because it could happen. Yeah, I could get fired tomorrow. I could have said something today and they're like, do not have Kyle do leader development with OMN, this is gonna be real bad. But if my title gets taken away from me, it's not all of who I am. It's just a role. It's a place that I serve. It's, peop it's a people group that I serve. But if you say or think, I will just start doing this once I get a title or once they elevate me, it's over. That's why we use this whole framework from the ground up, not just top down. The top down, we keep talking about the skills, the definitions and everything over and over again. But this is from all the way up. We talk about this in our growth track. We talk about this at our small groups. We talk about culture playbook. Almost every single Sunday at our Connect Center, we carry it around with us. Some people use it as a fan. I'm just staring at it thinking like, okay, I saw this buddy do this and I'm gonna lean into the behaviors that I saw too. Oh my gosh, Ryan, I saw you connecting with that person. You made them feel so comfortable. That was amazing. Way to be part of the culture playbook and lean into that connection. You're helping them connect with God. You're relieving anxieties. The amount of people with um, generalized anxiety disorder that can't even get past the front door to get in their car to come to your church is astounding. And really just bridging that gap for them, it's incredible. We have people that have several anxiety disorders that we have systems in place for them to come in and feel comfortable. We also know that we had people who are willing to sit in that connection box and help them feel connected to God and others. It's easy to remain a wallflower. It's easy for a person like me to overshadow someone because I am loud. I'm a big presence and stuff. 
it's easy for someone with a with an anxiety disorder to be like, well, I don't know, I can't do that because she is a lot and everything. I know that, but I also have these systems in place too that I'm going to find those people and make sure that they feel comfortable and welcome where we're at at the church. All of our people, no matter what. And then we're talking about our development within those systems, job descriptions. I don't, I don't want to. Like we're like we throw we throw our our pastors into like kids ministry positions and we expect them to know exactly what they're doing and they can't hit what we our key point indicators. We haven't made it clear for them. We haven't done enough development there, but enough development on the people for them to know. Coaching and training. This is one of my favorites. I think years ago we used to use like a mentorship approach of a, you know, this is what I did back in the day and everything. That's great. I am not knocking that at all. I am a bit of a mentor coach when I do any work with people, but I feel like when we're developing them, when we coach them and we ask better questions, we get better results. We develop them differently for that process, for something for them to feel meaningful impact for what they're doing because we've coached them what would you do differently what do you see that i don't see instead of being the top down well i would like for you to do this hey while we're going through this today i want you to look for what's right what's wrong what's missing and confusing of anything we're walking through today i want you to be my i want you to see my blind spots i got blind spots it doesn't make me a bad leader it doesn't make me a bad pastor i've got blind spots we all do i love my my team leads man they will help me see a blind spot from a mile away and they're not trying to hold it over me. It's because I've elevated them in this way, but I'm coaching them to look for that too. But this is how I'm going to keep raising people up. Lateral moves across the board to take them from baptism team lead. And when they're ready to take on more, that they can take on that guest services. They can take on going to kids ministry in some supportive roles without being just the kids pastor or anything. They don't even need a title. They're already a leader. They're already influencing. The team nights. This is one of my favorites. We just did this. Man, there's like 50-some people that showed up. We talk about this. We take one aspect of it. Hey, we're gonna talk about excellence tonight. We feed them, we give them childcare and stuff. They can come and sit down, we play some icebreakers. And then we talk about excellence, like doing the right thing. What does that look like? No BCD. Did you BCD this week? Where was that? What could you do differently? We coach it out of them, we train. The one-on-ones I think are essential to this process. Spend some time with your people. Get to know them on a, that one-on-one level. The people who are walking through the doors of the church that you're, ooh, I heard that they're in this. I know that they do this. Sit with them, have a coffee conferences, podcasts, and books. I feel like it goes without saying, but honestly, not everybody has the resources for this. I understand that. There's been years in our budget we've not had it. I will save money myself all year long to invest in my people, and I think it goes further, too, because it's not just the church paying for it. It's like somebody personally believes in you, and we're going to deploy them. we got to stop thinking about deployment as in, like, we're just going to drop them into action. No, deployment is a position of readiness. When we think of it from a military standpoint, this is what they've been training for, and then they're going to deploy to a tour. They're going to deploy to another location, but they are ready for whatever is about to come at them. They may not have it all perfect, but they're ready. They're in a position of readiness. And instead, we think of it as like the little green army man with the little parachute. We're just going to drop them. They should know. They'll be so good at it. No. Help them get to a point of, a point, position of readiness. Help them with their accountability. Create it. Get the clarity, the support. More one-on-one. Hey, what happened? How can I help? What else? What are we missing here? Coaching. Jesus was a great coach. The best question he asked was, who do you say, who do you say that I am? That person got to answer it. Not Jesus being like, I'm the Messiah. This is what I came to do. Jesus asked that person and has that person do the internal work of answering the question. That's why I'm like, Jesus said as a coach, yes, please. Pastors as coaches, yes, please. Any of us through this room, coaching, yes. Whew. Some fun questions that you can ask. This is from Coaching Habit. This is what we lead into of like, what's on your mind? 
what else? What's the real challenge here for you instead of waiting until they miss the mark? Um, how can I help? Instead of just doing it for them, oh, hey, I took the liberty of just calling those people and doing it all for you. You're going to hurt some feelings that way because you're going to make them feel like you don't, need, they, you don't need them on the team. Even though you're just trying to help, you're just trying to be, I just thought I could call that musician for you. No. How can I help you? Hey, Pastor Kyle, I need you to, um, could you help me by calling this person? Or hey, could you pick up water at Kroger because we're having this band practice and this is what we want to do? Yeah, I can do that. Or no, I can't do that. What was most useful for you? So good. They'll tell you what's right, what's wrong, what's missing. Help them, walk them through this. Back to that culture playbook is my favorite. Some of the questions I used to when I was sitting with people is how does that blank, whatever behavior, fit into the culture playbook? It's a great question because then they get to answer. You don't just tell them. And sometimes I'll even use it of like, hey, what part of a, what part of a excellence does this represent? Here's a, here's a great example. Hilarious, terrible. Our associate pastor, Tim Toole, he's like a funny man. I call him my wild card. We have a dress code for our Sunday morning services. So if you're up at front, you're doing communion, you're speaking or anything, you have, you have to wear certain things. He likes to wear, I don't know, Pokemon, I, graphic tee, just doesn't matter. Can't wear any graphic tee. Like we, we kind of talk about like what we can and cannot have. So anyways, we we're talking about communion one day and we rotate through the staff who's gonna do communion. And he knew there was a chance it would be between him and myself to go up for communion. So he showed up to Sunday wearing a graphic tee, which is like funny ha ha, but not funny ha ha when you, the other person realized, oh no, that's me and I gotta go prep and I gotta, I gotta make sure like this stuff is ready and everything. And while I was like, okay, we will talk about this. And my immediate response was, Hey, can we have a conversation about that tomorrow? Like, it's funny what you did, but I just want to know what part of excellence did that help in the culture playbook? Like, what part of the culture playbook that, did that fit in? Because that created a different response for me. I was immediately anxious. I was already scheduled to do some things at the church, and then now I, now I know I'm the only one who can do communion because now I can't lean on the other person who could. We try to take our lead, our lead pastor or whoever's speaking that day, we try to take extra pressure off of them so they don't have to run so much of service. And while we could laugh about it, we were like, okay, so that didn't fit culture playbook. We didn't really nail it there, but that's how we will use it. Cause it's a funny moment, but also it was a learning moment. And he came back the next day and he was like, this is not what I want because that was not excellent. I was not being part of the solution. And what he also did too, was he was showing some growth by saying, um, I had a humbling moment because I don't want to show up as that person. I want to be that kind of pastor who thinks that like, that's funny, but because it's not. And we use this as a constant reminder, this culture playbook. When I write thank you notes, when I'm acknowledging great behaviors through how we've developed some people, I'm talking about it through the lens of culture playbook. I'm using it for Tracy. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming in. I couldn't be here tonight for a group and you just stepped up and you owned it. She did not complain. She's here today. This is someone who's like, I'm scared to be a leader. No one, no one's going to think I have anything to say. No one um, thinks I have skill. And I'm like, man, she is full of skill. This woman, she's got it. She needs someone to believe in her and who's going to help develop her and deploy her into action. And I love it. And now I'm like, hey, friend, what are you doing on Saturday? Hey. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's how I get people. And she's here. She's going to live her best life doing it. I use it. We use a, at our huddle. We have a dream team meeting at 925 on Sunday mornings. And we talk about it there. And this is lastly what I want to share, too, of like this kingdom impact that we're looking for is sometimes we get caught in our castle building just where we're at or our churches. Like we want to develop these people. And then we get real mad when they decide they're going to leave or God's called them somewhere because we've just been building our own little castle of like what they can do for me. And then we start lacking trust in these areas. Well, I can't keep developing people because they just leave me or anything. Yeah, because we got to choose the trust. And we're going to be kingdom builders. And we're going to champion people to grow from the inside and outside of the church. Inside, physically, inside. 
and then outside too because man nothing's better than when you see a leader around here that you've worked with and they're thriving because you've developed them instead of just being like well they left my church and i'm sad or i'm at no my favorite thing is when past leaders come back to sc to visit and it's all hugs and smiles and not because i've been blocked on social media because we just chose the bcd all over the place Simon Sinek's one of my favorites. Um, leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. We're shepherds. Sometimes we're going to smell like poop. We're taking care of people. But this is how I feel about it. And that influences everything. And then here's some of my resources. Sorry, I went so long, friends. Um, that focus three, crucial conversations, those difficult things you got to have. Toxic soul, boundaries, Whew! all the time. Boundaries is my favorite thing to talk about. Boundaries for leaders. Coaching for performance helps you understand some of those great questions instead of asking defensive questions. Why didn't you do that? More so like, hey, what happened? Um, and then Urban Myers above the line, all great. These are things that we help to develop our people and deploy them into action and refer back to these. We go through these almost yearly. Crucial conversations we go through. Boundaries, I'm always in some type of boundaries book to help walk with, with leaders, um, small groups, any, any, anybody just regularly. And then just a big thank you. Thank you for attending. My name is Kyle Smith. Um, my cell is 614-352-4280. You can call me or text me. I, it's not just this weekend. You run into an issue three, six months down the road. I love this stuff. I love talking about it. You're always welcome to email me. I'm always happy to have conversations or meet up, Zoom. This is what Aaron allows me to do and thrive in and help change our process from what we're up, up or um help change our process and how we plan throughout the church. And um, so thank you. Uh, if you have any questions, please let me know. I know I've gone super long because that's a lot of content, but I would be happy to talk with you after. Email me any questions. And I think it's like over in like two minutes. So.